tonight as we continue to study the book of 1 Peter and looking at chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 9 and 10 tonight. And what we're going to find is that Peter describes our identity as the church. He's going to describe our identity as the church. Now, if you're taking notes tonight, um, I'm going to have two main points. And the first point is that he describes, Peter describes who we once were and who we are now. Who we once were and who we are now. And then point two will be, he describes the purpose that we've been made this way. The purpose we've been made this way. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now let's first take a look at who we once were. Peter describes quite clearly who we once were. In verse 9, he says we were called out of what? Out of darkness. We were once in total and complete darkness. And then in verse 10, he says, once you were not a people. Once you had no mercy. You had not received mercy. Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 for a moment. And you can turn there if you would like, verses 1 and 2. Paul talks about this. In verses 1 through 2, he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We were dead. At the bottom of the ocean, we didn't open our eyes and swim to the top and choose to be saved. No, Peter says that we were once not a people, but we're now God's people, that we are a chosen race. Back in verse 9, he says that we are a chosen race. So that's who we were. We were dead. We didn't know anything other than that. We didn't know what was good. So what happened in between 
from who we were and who we are now. What happened in between? Peter says, he called us out of darkness. That God called us out of darkness. He gave us mercy. In Ephesians chapter 2 again, verses 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. Peter is referring back to a lot of things that Paul is speaking about here in Ephesians. It's quite humbling, isn't it? It was for me when, I, when it was pointed out to me quite clearly that we were called out of darkness. Then Paul continues, and we're going to skip verse 10, but Paul continues in Ephesians 11 through 14. He says, Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. It is because the blood of Christ that we are a chosen race, that the elect are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So we see now who we were. Now we've looked at what happened in between. Now who are we now? We are a chosen race. Peter uses the word a chosen race, a royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession. Now the question is, where is this vocabulary, where are these words coming from? Well, they're coming from the Old Testament. They're coming from, you look at Deuteronomy chapter 7 and you read verses 6 through 9. It says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And again, he says, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him 
and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. He chose because he loves. And he loves you because he loves you. That's, I know that sounds really simple, but he loves you because he loves you. That sounds really simple, but think about that. There's, in our darkness, there was nothing to love. He loves you because he loves you. And then Peter, though, continues again. Let's look at a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Well, in Exodus 19, 5 through 6, says, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priest and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Now, why has God chosen us? Why has he brought us into a royal priesthood? a holy nation. Why are we now his own possession? He loves us because he loves us. But he has purpose for his love and his, for his choosing. Peter makes it quite clear again in verse 9. He says, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into what? His marvelous light. That you may proclaim the excellencies of God. Now I said we would come back and use Ephesians chapter 10 or chapter 2 verse 10 and I'm going to do that now for we are his workmanship Paul says created in Christ Jesus for what for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so what does it mean to proclaim the excellencies of God well, we're going to proclaim the excellencies of God by word. And what we'll find later on in Peter is by word and by deed. By word and by good works. So we proclaim the excellencies of God by how we speak, what we talk about, what we do, how we act, how we react. We are imitators. We are to be imitators of God's character. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, I can't help but just keep going back to what Paul is saying because Paul and what Peter is saying and what Paul is saying are so connected. He says 
in verse uh, 1 in chapter 5 of Ephesians. Paul says, therefore, what? Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. As we are to proclaim the excellencies of God to the world, I'm talking about to the those who are of the race who have not been born again. What we have to remember is that at this moment, they are dead. People who are dead, they don't see the excellencies of God. So, we are to proclaim the excellencies of God as we pray for God to call them out of this darkness. We are to just simply be obedient to sharing the gospel with every person that we come in contact with. Our conversations need to always point back to Jesus. Our work conversations need to point back to Jesus. But how do we do that? Well, Paul in chapter 5 of Ephesians, verses 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How are we to understand the will of the Lord. If we don't read his word. Time and time again throughout my time as a pastor and preaching and, and, and even being here, I've had conversations with so many people. Oh, I'm just, I'm praying about it. I'm just I'm praying for the Lord to make it clear to me. My brothers, my sisters, you can pray for God to reveal something to you and for him to speak to you until you go into the grave. But you will not hear him speak to you if you don't read his word. The Christian life, being imitators of God, being able to rightly proclaim the excellencies of God, we need to know his word. You know what that takes? A lot of self-discipline. And you know what? I'm preaching to myself. I failed in my own life with self-discipline. Time and time again, one of the excellencies of God is that his mercy. Is that not what Peter says? 
once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy? We must prepare our minds. In fact, Peter says in verse 13 of chapter 1, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope full on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. So what does this all look like applied? How do we proclaim the excellencies of God at work? Well, back to what I said earlier. In everything that we do, whether you're an employee, a supervisor, a manager, a CEO, the owner of the company, in every conversation that you have, People need to know that something's different about you by the speech that you use. Speech that only comes from someone who studies the Word of God. Speech that you will not come have, will not come to you alone, but by studying the Word of God. Conversations need to lead to the gospel. Your conversations as you're working through something, having conversations that may not necessarily be about work, but may be at work, need to somehow point to Jesus. And I can promise you, there's always a way to point to Jesus. Because this life is all about God and about nothing else. So we need to proclaim the excellencies of God as we have been called to do. Maybe it's your work ethic and how you work may proclaim the excellencies of God. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for man. Sometimes we work for difficult people who are, I don't know how else to say it, they're jerks. Sometimes we work for jerky type people. And you know what we have to do? We have to work hard. Whatever we do, work heartily as for the Lord rather than for man. That's being an example to them. Let them say whatever they want to say to you. It may be discouraging. You may be scared. You may be afraid. You work hard and you just keep speaking Jesus. And you know what? If they get rid of you, guess who's in control? God's in control. God's all sovereign. You know what that means? That he's going to provide a way for you to continue to have food for yourself, for your family, for your children. But most importantly in this world, it is not about money, as we learned this morning, though it's okay to have money. But it is about proclaiming the excellencies of God, praising him and glorifying him in all that we do. Sometimes 
proclaiming the excellencies of God at work can cost you your job. And you've heard preachers talk about this before, and I've talked about it several times uh, throughout my time in preaching um, and pastoring. But I'm not sharing these things with you, sitting in a place where I know that, hey, I'm, my job's secure as I talk about Jesus. There was a time where I worked for a corporate, local corporate company or statewide company. And I had a young man who worked downstairs, knew that I was a preacher, came upstairs and wanted to share with me on a Monday right before Thanksgiving what his preacher had been preaching on that Sunday morning. He was so excited to come tell me. We talked about it. He was a younger guy, young in the faith, super excited. And he was sharing with me about his pastor's sermon about Sodom and Gomorrah and the Sodomites and their sin. And where I worked, I had a half wall or a head, head high wall. And I had a, a, a man on the other side that lived in sin with another man. Well, he heard what we were discussing and how excited this boy was about what his preacher was preaching on. And he went and he complained. Well, he didn't know about the other boy. He just knew me over there and he knew I was a preacher. So they sent two ladies down from northwest Arkansas to meet with me and question me. They asked me as I walked in, it was a younger girl probably in her mid-upper 30s and someone, a lady that was probably going to retire, I could tell she was working and teaching her what to do. They asked me, can, you have, can we have your phone so you don't record this conversation? Okay. So I come in, I put my phone down, I let them have it. We sit down. And they start to question me about what happened. Now, for the sake of time, we went through back and forth. We played the game of they didn't know anything, and I knew that they did. And so I played the game with them, which frustrated with it, made them really mad. So we got to a point where we just got right down to it, talking about Jesus. And the lady finally reached over or kind of leaned over the desk, uh, over the table, and she looks at me, and she goes, do you think it's appropriate to talk about God in the workplace. Now, I tell you this story, I want you to know that I was also in much fear. But in that fear, God had placed me in a, at a point where this was good for my sanctification. This is good for growing and for maturing. I had to lean over that table and I said, you know what? If we talked about Jesus in the workplace more, this world would be a better place. The young lady didn't know what to say, so she sat back. And the older lady went, <clears throat> she made this weird shake of her head and got very mad. Well, some people don't believe in that. And I shrugged my shoulders, and that was pretty much the end of the conversation. And they never bothered me again. Sometimes, I tell you that story, not to take a bunch of time up, but to share with you, sometimes we find ourselves in those situations and I would rather glorify God in a position like that, even though I had two children at home and a wife to take care of and to provide for, what the things of this world, the money that that company gave me is one day going to burn up. The things that I bought with it are one day going to burn up. But what we do for the Lord proclaiming his excellencies, those are going to last forever, for all eternity. Hallelujah. 
So sometimes we have to stand up and go through painful, scary situations as we proclaim the excellencies of God. And you know what? He's going to be with you. You just speak his word, speak his truth. What does it look like with a family? Hannah and I were having this conversation just a week and a half ago. She will tell you that when I study, I like to go off and hide somewhere. Blake will tell you he's found that I like to go in the back office and turn the light out and turn a couple of small little dim lights on, and that's how I like to study. That may be weird to some, maybe not. That's how I like to study. I kind of like get in my little quiet place. That's just what I do. But we were having the conversation of, you know, it's hard to study God's word sometimes when you've got four kids or three kids running around and, and the other one's crying and, and you got a newborn. And it's hard to sit down in your chair and open God's word sometimes when you have children at home, they're hovering over you. But you know what? Your children need to be coming up to you, not asking you, what are you looking at on your phone? But dad, what are you reading in God's word? That's where you can proclaim the excellencies of God to your children. You can share what he has done on the cross. You can share what you've been reading that day. I can share with my son, Edmund, when he comes and asks me, I can say, well, son, I'm reading about how we, that God has made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that There was a time I didn't understand and I was in darkness. But through Christ, I've been saved through faith. I can proclaim the excellencies of God to my children. Men, we are to lead in this. As men and women should be studying the word. Yeah, it's good to find a time to do it quietly and away from everything. There are times for that. But our children and our grandchildren, they need to see us studying the Word of God. They need to be coming up to us asking these questions, not asking what's on your, what are you looking at on your phone? What funny video are you watching? No, what is in the Scripture that you're reading that you're so focused on? Men, I think men seem to fail to do that quite a bit. I've failed quite a bit. We seem to work all day, and, some, and, and women too. But men, it is our job to lead, spiritually lead in the home. And it is our job to set that example. For our wives, for our children, and for our grandchildren, men, it is our jobs to do that. You come home and you may be tired from work. You may have been dealing with a horrible employer or employee that's just frustrating. But you know what? Nothing that you do that night is going to bring you peace except for opening the Word of God. That's the only thing that's going to give you peace and give you rest. Your children need to see that. Your wife needs to hear you proclaiming the excellencies of God to her. What does that mean? Well, imitating God to her, showing her mercy and grace, caring for her, asking her about her day, asking her, how can I pray with you? And then praying for her. 
Send her scripture throughout the day that gives her peace about what she does and what she's doing. That's speaking and teaching and leading your wife towards the excellencies of God. Men, your wives need that. They need to feel that type of love from you. And we've all failed in doing it at some point. But that's why, again, the excellencies of God, one of them is, again, we once had no mercy, but now we do. And we can learn from God's word, and we can learn from 1 Peter and do just that. Proclaim the excellencies of God to people we work with, to our family, and as a church. Psalm 148, 13 says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. As a church, every Sunday when we come and we assemble together, we proclaim the excellencies of God through prayer, through the preaching and teaching of God's word, through song. And then, my favorite, one of my favorite parts, I don't want to say the favorite, but one of my favorite parts that I've, I've learned so much about, and I'll just say it this way, just the time after, before and after, where we congregate together and we ask ourselves one another challenging questions like, hey, what are you reading on spiritually? What are you reading right now in, in the Bible? What, how are you doing spiritually right now? What are you studying? Well, I'm studying this. And you can proclaim the excellencies of God to one another. And what this does is this holds one another accountable. Because we come to church knowing, hey, someone's going to ask me, what am I studying? Hey, that's a good way to hold one another accountable. What we're about to do tonight Taking the Lord's Supper is proclaiming the excellencies of God as a church. I want to close with this. C.H. Spurgeon. We must not be satisfied with feeding the soul by meditation, but rise up from the banquet and use the strength we have gained. Sitting at the feet of Jesus must be succeeded by following in the footsteps of Jesus. So, let's proclaim the excellencies of God by following in the footsteps of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, how grateful we are that you have brought us into the royal priesthood, and made us a chosen race, a holy nation, that we are now your possession. Father, thank you for your mercy. And I pray, Father, that as you've pulled us out of darkness, I pray that as we recognize what you have done for us, as we read about who you are, that we burn with a desire, that we have a burning desire in our hearts to proclaim 
your excellencies to the world and to one another. It's in your name we pray. Amen.